Blooming Inspired Podcast, equipping and empowering the voices of women who live their lives blooming alive. Good morning. This is Michelle Bentham, host of Blooming Inspired Podcast, and I wanted to jump on today and continue the conversation we started yesterday in 1 John. Again, this week, we've been talking about surrendering our heart to God daily, letting Him examine the pieces of our life, waiting for His fire to fall on our life, and then living out of that secret place encounter, which makes our heart a dwelling place for His Holy Spirit. And so as we we read through 1 John chapter 2 and maybe parts of 3 today, I want to ask you, to consider what you hear this passage of Scripture saying about what it means to abide in Christ, to abide in who God is, to abide, to make your dwelling place who God is. And so we will start in verse 1 of chapter 2. I think I began to read some of this um, yesterday. It says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. So what he's saying is, my little children, so these are not people who are lost, people who are outside the family of God. These are people inside the family of God. I'm writing to you these things so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. Who's the advocate? The advocate is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, he's righteous. Do you know that scripture tells us that when we are saved, that the righteousness of Christ is imparted to us? It's almost the picture of when God looks at you, he sees his son because you're in his son. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation is a very fancy word that means payment or atonement or um, he's he's the reason that our sins are reckoned with God. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. So Jesus paid the price for all sin. But he is an advocate for those who belong to him. Now, by this we know that we know him, verse 3, if we keep his commandments. You see, John is saying that if we walk in Christ, who is the light, we should not sin. But if we do, he's an advocate for us. But we can't persistently walk in darkness and keep declaring ourselves his. Because if we don't keep his commandments, if we don't do the things he told us to, then we are walking in darkness. So what are Jesus's commandments? What are some of the things? And and as I was reading this, I made some notes in the margin. And it says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Bless those who curse you. Bless and do not curse. Make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Love one another as I have loved you. He also said, those who have believed will lay hands on the sick and they will recover, will raise the dead, will cast out demons, will speak in new tongues, 
Handle deadly things and not die. Drink deadly things and not die. They will be attacked by the enemy and it won't cause death. This is important. This is important. Jesus said many things in his time on earth. And he says, I, you know, he says, a new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. The priority of the commandments is love, is becoming like God, who is love. I said yesterday, in the midst of all of the the crazy tension that's going on in our political community and in what we're seeing in the news and, and all of that, and I was like, you know, the body of Christ could reach more people if we stop disagreeing and we just learn to love people well. And I know there are other people with bigger uh, soapboxes and platforms out there declaring this truth, but it's right here in Scripture. And, and, and as I'm reading First John, I'm seeing it very clearly. So let's go on. Now, this by this we know, it's verse 3, that we know Him if we keep His commandments. He who says, I know Him and does not keep His commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. See, when we begin to walk out what Christ told us to do, when we begin to walk out the things Christ did in his life, the things we read about in Scripture, the love of God is perfected in us, meaning we've received his love and it becomes perfected, and we then can give his love out. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Isn't that what I just said? Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. Now I picture this verse 7 kind of moving around. Remember, we're right, he's writing a letter to people and he is affirming the gospel that he wrote in John and he is telling them how to have fellowship with one another. And now he says this thing, but I'm not writing a new commandment to you. And I, and I go back to Paul when he was saying, what, do I follow Paul or do I follow Apollos? Because I, I, I picture them doing what we do today. It's not my denomination. That's not what they teach in my church. That's not what my pastor said. And it says a new commandment I, I'm not giving to you. I'm not writing a new commandment, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. You see, from the very beginning, man was supposed to live loving God, loving other people, and taking care of what God created. And again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and true light is already shining. So he's saying we have the the scriptures of old, the Torah, the Tanakh, as they call it today, which is the sum total of all the law and the prophets. And then he says, and you have this new commandment that's being written to you now, which is all about the truth about God and Christ in you, that the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going, because the sins of darkness have blinded his eyes. What I'm, I'm hearing here is this emphasis on love and 
hate is the antithesis of love. And I'm seeing him focusing not on the sins we commit by our actions, but the sins we commit in our heart. And he goes back and forth. You are sinners, but you're forgiven. You are sinners, but you're forgiven. You were a sinner, but now you're in Christ and you should walk in the light. And then he says, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his namesake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And here we come upon that word abide. And you have overcome the wicked one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. And I think this may be as far as I get today, because I feel like we need to kind of camp on what we just read. I write to you, little children, I'm going to repeat some of it, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the father. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I've written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Do you hear this key? One, we have to recognize our sins are forgiven for his name namesake. Not for ours, but for his. And that because we have known God from the beginning, and we know the Father, and because we have overcome the wicked one, because we're strong in Christ, because the word of God, God, over and over scripture refers to the word of God as being Jesus Christ. It's right there in John chapter one. And in this context, it's him. And the word of God abides in you, but it's also the the context of these scriptures that we're reading. When those scriptures dwell, dwell richly in our hearts and our lives, it changes us. Last night at dinner, I was telling my parents one of my favorite stories that a pastor friend of mine shares, and it's in a class that he does on hearing God, and it's his name is, is Alan Kelsey, and, and I met him some years ago at a church we attended, and he was teaching, and he, in this class, he's from South Africa, and he was telling a story from his childhood and um, to demonstrate the power of hearing God and how it changes you. And he shared that um, when he was a child, he went to this, this farm that was kind of out in the country, away from the city where he lived, with a friend. And while he was there, he had heard the story about this man who worked on the farm. And when he first started working there, he was a real rough around the edges kind of guy. You know, we would call him a roughneck or a redneck. He was working at the this ranch and he was a hard worker and he did a lot of work during the day, but he played hard at night. So he would leave the ranch and he would go to town, you know, and he'd inevitably get drunk and he would get in a fight and he would get arrested and the ranch foreman would get a call in the middle of the night, have to go pick him up and bring him back. So he, he did this for a week or two maybe. And he finally just said, you know, we can't do this anymore. The ranch foreman is telling the man, we can't do this anymore. Either you're going to have to straighten up and live your life right or you're 
you're going to have to go. And so he gives him a Bible and says, read this book. It'll change your life. So the man leaves and takes the book. A week passes and the foreman notices he hasn't gotten any calls to come pick this guy up. As a matter of fact, he's not leaving the ranch anymore. He is actually staying at the ranch. And he goes to him and he notices that he's changing. He's not drinking. He's not rough. He's not talking rough. And he says, hey, how are you doing? Have you been reading that book I give you? Well, here's what he doesn't know. He doesn't know that the man couldn't read. So the man begins to tell him, well, I can't read. So what I do is when I go to bed at night, I open the book and I say, the God of this book must speak to me tonight. And he lays it on his chest and he goes to sleep. And in the morning, he wakes up a little different. And this has gone on for a week. And by the end of the week, he's noticing a significant change. The word of God is powerful and it is by faith. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If we believe we can hear him, we will. Do you hear what he's saying here? Don't love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You see, these things are passing away, but God, he's eternal. He's the thing we hold on to. We can quibble about these little things going on in our world today, or we can focus our hearts on the kingdom and focus our hearts on the Father and go after people in love because he who does the will of the Father God abides forever, forever. He is writing because there have been people coming that are deceiving the people of God. So he makes this case for salvation and living a joyful life. And then he brings us to this place where he's talking about abiding. It says, little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. You know, an Antichrist is someone who is not dependent on God, but feels that they can do it better themselves. It's a spiritual condition, and it's a, it's a demonic oppression and it's someone who will oppose. And and um, I think even in Jude, it talks about the lawlessness of the Antichrist. But it says here in John that there will be an Antichrist to come, capital letter. And even now there are many Antichrists. And I, and I think of that and I think, you know, the devil doesn't know. He knows his time is short, but he does not know when the enemy I mean, when when Jesus is coming back, he knows his time is short, but he does not know when Jesus is coming back. And so I think in every age and in every generation, he works to bring up an antichrist. So when that moment comes and Jesus returns, he's ready. And so there is the antichrist, the one who is going to oppose God at the end of everything. And then there are these many antichrists who are building up to that moment. So what if we got really good at loving people and love those people out of their Antichrist spirit? What would happen? By which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us. Now get this. They went out from us. These many Antichrists went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been for us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were us. People John had sent out were the Antichrist. People who feel called to ministry can be an Antichrist. 
people who are sent out by ministries can be an antichrist. This is where we have to be careful and we have to guard our hearts and be discerning of God and test the spirits and test the things we're experiencing to know who is good. He says, but you... Who? The little children. Have an anointing from the Holy One. And when he's saying little children, he is not just talking to babies. He's not just talking to the physically immature. He is talking to those that he is in charge of caring for. But you have the anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is the tr- of the truth. He's saying, don't let people deceive you. They're going to come in and they're going to try. There are people who have been sent out from us who are telling lies, who are not telling the truth, who are speaking error and falsehood. So who is a liar but, want it, but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? So can you picture it? Someone that came up under John goes out and begins to preach the gospel, and what he preaches has nothing to do with Jesus being the Christ. He's preaching a different gospel. He is the Antichrist. He is an Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either, and he who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. You see, Jesus said it. I and my Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So if we've experienced Christ, we've experienced the Father. And he says, Therefore, let let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. What did they hear from the beginning? They heard the gospel. They heard John's testimony that he wrote about in the 21 chapters of his book. They heard other gospel testimonies, maybe the testimony of Paul because he is in Ephesus. They've heard the testimony of Timothy. They know the Jewish traditions. They've got the scriptures that go all the way back to Genesis. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning, that Jesus is the Christ, that God is his Father, and that he died for our sins, and that he... uh, advocates for us even now when we sin and that because of him light has come and the darkness is passing away that the word was with God that the word is God that he created everything and this is the promise that he has promised us which is eternal life everlasting life with the father these things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you So now we see this picture of the abiding in truth and abiding in this anointing that abides in us. And what is that anointing? It is the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it is taught to you, you will abide in him. So with this, I picture these these people in this in this community that he's writing to, and they're saying, but we don't have any teachers here right now. We don't have John. We don't have Paul. We don't have Timothy. We don't have our teachers here right now. And he's saying, listen, you already have his word abiding in you, and you have the anointing abiding in you. You don't need anyone to teach you because the anointing will teach you. Who's the anointing? The anointing is the Holy Spirit. And if we go back to John's gospel, 
It says in there that he is going to send us a helper, a comforter, someone who will teach us about the things of Christ, someone who will remind us about the things of Christ, someone who will reveal to us the mysteries of Christ. We don't need another teacher. We need to read the scriptures for ourselves and let the Holy Spirit inform us about them. The anointing teaches me to abide, and the anointing is in me. Then it says, the children of God, verse 28, and we'll close. And now little children abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. So we cannot practice righteousness apart from Christ. Get it? We can do good things, human good. We can do wonderful things, but we can't practice righteousness because righteousness is his and it comes through him and it comes out of us because of our relationship with him. So knowing him through the scriptures, knowing him by the Holy Spirit, knowing him in our daily walk, making him our abiding place because he is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and this truth will set you free. You shall know the truth, the truth shall set you free. When we get to know Christ and we become more like him, the more we confess our sin to him, the more we become like him because it gives our mind the opportunity to change about the way we live, the way we act, and what we do. So I want to challenge you, my friends. Live your life devouring this word. I think about Jeremiah where it says, eat this book. Let this be the feasting food that satisfies your soul so that when you sit down at the table to eat your physical food, you're not given to gluttony. You're not given to trying to get comfort from your food or from uh, people or from things or from your job. You're not trying to prove something because Christ proved it all and Christ lives in you. So God, we just thank you for your word of truth today. And we thank you for the power of your word. And we thank you for salvation. And we thank you for the atoning work of Christ on the cross today. Lord, would you move in our hearts? Holy Spirit, would you quicken our minds to know the things of God, to know the things about Christ that we do not know, that we could not learn? Would you quicken our minds and reveal the mysteries to us? Would you quicken our minds so that when we read the word of God, it is highlighted and brought to life before our very eyes? We love you, Lord, and we're so grateful for all you have done for us. Encourage us through one another. Make us good at loving people because you love people, God. Express your love through us. Let us not worry about the do's and the don'ts. Let us worry about the one thing that you say matters, and that is to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love others as Christ has loved us. And that requires us to lay down our lives for him, to contend with those who, who, would, um, who would harm his children. And I know that we don't contend face to face with people because the principalities we fight with are not flesh and blood, but they are powers and principalities and dark forces that exist in this world. So let us be good at warring on our knees. And let us be good at lining up with you and your heart and your mind. Cleanse us, God. Purify us. Make us righteous before you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, that's all I have for you today. I do want to remind you, go to the website, check out our events. We've got Bible study coming up in October. We've got a prophetic retreat coming up in October. Love for you to come. The prophetic retreats are $150 for two nights accommodations and five meals, plus all the good stuff that happens in between. And um, we're having one in October, one in January. You can find all that information right there on the website. I'm also fundraising because I'm working to make Blooming Inspired Network a 501c3 ministry. So please um, go to the website, check the About tab, read about our beliefs, our mission and vision, and our values. I would love for you to partner with us and help get the word out about how we can change the lives of women by helping them grow into everything Christ created for them to be and everything uh, that he has planned and purposed and destined them for in their life, that they would realize those things and they would walk it out. And as I close out today, I just want to bless you in the blessings of God. I want to bless you with his love, bless you with his peace. I want to say all provision come to you. I just declare the truth of God over you today. I say thank you for tuning in. Um, we'd love to hear from you. You can email me at admin at bloominginspirednetwork.com. Would love to hear from you. And uh, just with that said, I want to remind you that blooming where you're planted is the first step to living your life fully alive and living your life in your wildest dreams. So be intentional about living your life blooming alive. Thank you so much. Until tomorrow, this is Michelle and I'm signing off.